Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me today is Francis. I've, I've, I've drug him out of the tombs of the bonus episodes and brought him back to the realm of the regular episodes. On this, the Memorial Day, when we're here to memorialize our fallen brethren, um, instead, we, uh, I got a message that said, can you podcast? And I said, not this week, but yes, right now. <laughs> and so 40 minutes later, here we are. Uh, and I wouldn't have it any other way. This is how, this is how I like to do podcasting. Uh, frantically, and on the fly, and with no prior knowledge as to what the fuck's happening. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I forgot today is Memorial Day. Um, it is no longer a holiday in which the country I live in. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm here to remind you of Memorial Day. Um, it's not like 9-11, which we all promised we would never forget. So uh, <laughs> the fact that if you're, not on, if you're not on Facebook having a bunch of like your shitty veteran friends talk about, like, this is about the day people out barbecuing having fun. It's about the day that our friends and our brethren died in this dumb fucking war that none of us should have gone to. You know, it really kind of loses. Two things can be true at the same time. Have your moment of memorance and also eat entirely too much barbecued meat and drink beer in somebody's backyard. Um, There's really nothing more American than that. Yeah, you know what most of those dead troops would have done on Memorial Day is probably fucking exactly the same thing. We memorialize our fallen soldiers by getting drunk for them. Um, if I had died in a battle of some kind, I encourage you all to get drunk in my honor. I always used to tell people that if they died in a battle, they would name the porter potties after them. Um, yes. Because, you know, for people who are unaware, because this is not hell of a way to die where we don't expect you to have a baseline knowledge of the American military, pretty much every building on every base, to include the Ford operating bases that no longer exist or are now. Taliban Ford operated bases uh, <laughs> uh, were all named after someone who died. Uh, and I always used to tell someone, like, if I died, they're, they're, they've run out of buildings to name. So they're going to name the shitter after me. I like I like that in Bagram, the main the main paved strip was called Disney Drive. And people would uh, think that that was like an answer to our consumerism. Like American consumerism is so bad. They show up to war. They show up with a Burger King and they name things after Disney. Like, no, a, a dude named Disney died. Like, we just, it's it's not about the mouse, man. We just, like, a dude died. Not so many we, people we remember the time that him. Goofy got his fucking legs blown off by an IED. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have nightmares when I sleep. Um, now. <laughs> don't make popcorn or I'm going to go crazy. That's not a Goofy thing, I don't really think. Uh, I think Donald's really the only one with with true PTSD. Um, that's why he's so angry constantly. Oh, I remember. Was it? Isn't it like part of canon? He fought World War II. <laughs> Did he wear pants then? Yeah, but but Donald Duck, who wears um, uh, navy garb, is a uh, honorary sergeant in the uh, army. However, 
Lieutenant General Lamb Chop of the Marine Corps uh, does exist. So who the fuck I'm is not it, like Lamb Chop the puppet? Yeah, yeah, Lamb Chop the puppet is a three star in uh, in the Marines. So fucking in, enjoy that little tidbit of knowledge, uh, you fucking crayon eaters. Uh, you thought you thought you thought that the dog outranking you was bad. Now a puppet outranks you, Francis. I think I speak for myself and all of my listeners when I say we're all worse off for knowing these things. <laughs> That's the things that I bring to your podcast. Information that nobody wants and that honestly makes your day worse. Which is, I mean, like, uh, look, I've listened to the, the Nanking episodes. So you can't really talk shit about making people's days worse. That's fair. Um, I apologize to everybody for um, this Disney knowledge. Uh, <laughs> I apologize to everybody for Japan's um, aggression to the Chinese uh, country 50 years before any of us were born. Content warning. Donald Duck. Um, now, Francis, to, before we started recording, um, we started talking about, you know, we love talking about dumb people from history kind of getting what's coming to them, whether it be Nazis or Confederates um, or, or, or knights. Uh, and, I, and you have no idea what this script is about today, but good news. We're talking about knights and we're talking about the Crusades. Um, I love I love the Crusades. I'm very excited about running a Crusades RPG one day with uh, with all of us, where we can all like roll for racism. I assume, or uh, was it their Children's Crusade at one point, where they just like sent a bunch of kids off into the desert to die? I'm confused as how a species how we have managed to fucking survive because we just kill the shit out of ourselves constantly throughout history. Because if there's one thing that human beings like to do more than kill other human beings, it's fuck. We do. Yeah. We do enjoy we do enjoy fucking. And uh the the women in our uh of our species are able to make a baby, you know, uh, like I gestational periods and everything. It's uh, I look, I don't know why I'm getting too deep into the weeds onto this, but we do love to fuck and make babies. Uh and then send those babies to war or put them into um you know, uh, the the looms uh, in the 19th century, which would like rip off their arms. Yeah, their hands like can just... get in. They can fit in there better. Everybody knows that. This message brought to you by the Department of Labor of the state of Florida. Um, <laughs> we're bringing back powder monkeys. Yeah. We have no need for them, but we're bringing back children and gunpowder magazines and uh, tall ships. And there's not enough literal so monkeys blitz. anymore. We have to use children. Yeah, we have to. It's by law. Uh, the monkeys are endangered, but the children are not. So. Not if I have my way. Now, Francis, <laughs> if you thought the Crusades were dumb when they're busy marching to the other side of the world towards the Holy Land to die in the desert, uh, wait until they go marching over to the Balkans in the 1300s. Mm, the Balkans, where famously nothing bad has ever happened. That's right. Um, today we're talking about the Battle of Nicopolis, or when the armies of Europe teamed up with Hungary to invade the Ottoman Balkans, meaning that when you look at all the powers involved here, this might be the most racist genocide denialist episode that we've ever done. <laughs> if, there's one, if there's one thing that can bring us all together, it's racism. The, as you say, the unifying uh, theory of fuck that guy. Yeah, and also the Balkans. Um, truly the chaos ruin of the earth. Um, now, now the Balkans, the, the Balkans, uh, they, uh, Bosnians came to St. Louis and they got a pass cause they're all white. So it worked out. It's because them. they came in the nineties. Like if they would have come, right, if yeah. they would have come, uh, like, you know, for instance, when the, the Irish or the, uh, the Italians or the Armenians or the Jews came to the U S it'd been a different story. 
It was, it was already the white people had already padded it out enough to just like ah you're fine you guys you get, I mean I have a I have a Bosnian well he's he's no longer married into the family but you know he's, he's a good guy um and he uh he loves to eat pork and smoke cigarettes and drink beer and be in the army so uh, he's just like yeah we integrated pretty well because uh, we're pretty much like shitty Americans too in, in some ways I love that you cool. start that sentence with I have a Bosnian uh- <laughs> well a Bosnian like I. I can't say cousin because we're not blood related, but also he's not married to my cousin anymore, but also I love him to death. I've known him forever. Uh, Look, I, I don't live I, in the Balkans, but I, 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 from what I understand from Balkans people, you're still pretty much his cousin. That's how that works. Because it works. That's how it works here. He's a cool dude. I like him. Shout out to you, Alam. Uh, hope, hope you listen, I guess. I probably not. Um, but uh, my, my, my knowledge of the Balkans really doesn't extend beyond, you know, previous to the 1990s so uh looking forward to a history lesson here well uh, it's it's still not great um <laughs> now some people might not be aware of the latter very stupid crusades once people like richard the lionhearted and saladin were out of the picture but there are quite a few minor ones going on during the 14th century specifically one going through northern europe and a failed one in tunisia and through the middle of all of this was the Hundred Years' War tearing through France, England, and a few other places. Now, we've talked about this before, but I do always have to say this whenever we talk about the Hundred Years' War before someone gets mad at me. It was not a hundred straight years of war. There are truces uh, pretty frequently, and they broke down just as frequently. And during one of those times in the mid-1300s, the Ottoman Empire was steamrolling their way through the Balkans. The Pope desperately tried to get the French and the English to cut their shit so he could proclaim a crusade against the Ottomans and retake the Balkans, but uh, he failed to do that for quite a little while. Oh, yeah. T- telling the French and the English to cut their shit. Yeah, that's that's a, a, a famously a thing they've ever done. Yeah, yeah. At least at least now they just argue about shitty football. They don't like... <laughs> yeah. Those dudes talk about two countries that love to just fuck each other and everybody else up. Yeah. Uh, and then the Pope's just being like, could you guys cut it out? Can, can, it can is, we all just like, get I along love, Pope style? Yeah. I do love that, like, when you look at history uh, during this time, that, like, the Pope also just had a, a standing army of his own uh, because that's how that's how territory worked back then. Is just you had to hold it with a bunch of, like, malnourished um, uh, peasants with pikes. Oh, and uh, there's more than one Pope at this point as well. Oh, good. Um, we got some anti-Popes. Yeah. Uh, by the 1390s, the Ottoman conquest had all but finished at the Balkans after the Battle of Kosovo. No, not that one. The other one. <laughs> no, not that one either. The other one. Um, then the em- yeah. Then the emperor of Bulgaria, a guy named Ivan Shishman, which his name sounds like every racist stereotype for an Eastern European ever. Um, <laughs> it's a, that sounds like a dude that's coming out to wrestle at like a, in a high school uh, gym somewhere. And like, you know, yeah, he, he is uh, a Vince McMahon WWF heel. He comes out wearing uh, some unknowable kind of vaguely Eastern European garb and wielding two uh, sheeshes of meat. Uh, for people, sheesh is like the the kebab uh, metal itself. Um, now it's not the meat tornado. It's, no, uh, it's no, it's it's not it's not meat tornado uh, 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 territory yet. Um, now the emperor of Bulgaria lost his temporary capital in Nicopolis to the Ottoman forces. Do- dozens of other Balkan princes had been reduced to vassals, including Shishman's brother 
and soon the battlefield between Christianity and Islam inched closer and closer towards the Hungarian border, where today the president of Hungary would probably still say that happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> still, I mean, if Hungary being racist throughout the years is, uh, is a constant, you know, just like the, the tides come in and the tides go out, Hungary also will be concerned concerned about the the hordes at their gates look uh we're we're throwing a lot of sh- a lot of shit at the balkans and hungary right now but ask any western european how they feel about roma people and they'll sound exactly the same <laughs> way okay you know i it is it is very like when when you think like wow america has a racism problem and we absolutely do we absolutely have problems with racism against you know black people hispanic people and really anybody that's not you know straight white christian male and then you like look into like we we don't have like the the gener the, the centuries like we only have like two centuries of uh, of real racism going on we don't have like millennia of racism that that Europe has like the racism there runs deep it's 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 impressive honestly and in, and from my experience it's actually much more open as well yeah um. it's, just, it's, <laughs> it's perfectly fine to be to be like no we hate we hate Roma people uh, and to use. Words that we won't uh, repeat here because they're unkind. Because we're not those people. We're not. We're not uh, Europeans. Ptuh, ptuh. Fuck y'all. Yeah. I live in the Caucasus, which is famously known for not being <laughs> racist at all. Now, uh, <laughs> none of this was news to the king of Hungary and Croatia, Sigismund, who would eventually go on to tack onto the titles of the king of Germany and the Holy Roman Emperor a few years down the road. He was also nicknamed the Ginger Fox. So I don't know if that means he was clever or hot. Um, but you know, whatever could be both. Yeah, we, is that what we got to start calling Nate now? Yeah, we finally have some <laughs> Nate representation on the podcast, and Nate's not even here for it. Um, now Sigismund had been in charge of Hungary for less than ten years at this point, and the entire time he'd been begging the Pope and the rest of Europe for help countering the advancing of the Ottoman Empire. But because Europe was preoccupied with the Northern Crusade and the French and English uh, were you know too busy with each other. Pretty much everybody gave him the finger until after the Battle of Kosovo. There had been some contentious raids into Hungary where Ottoman forces, you know, they did things that you would expect an expanding imperial force to do, especially for the time, such as burning villages to the ground, taking slaves and rendering everyone they came across into a, you know, a fine Christian based mulch product. Mm, that's that's how you save souls is by uh, by pushing them through a fine sea. Obviously, yeah. Uh, that's how I was saved. I just got better. I built different. After one such raid in 1394, which left seven villages in ruins, King Sigismund finally understood that, like Bulgaria and Serbia before it, Hungary was in the crosshairs of the Ottoman Empire. He began to beg the rest of Europe for help, suggesting a massive show of unity and force would be enough to scare off the Ottomans, at least for the time being. Now, I, I have a quick question. You you mentioned that like they're they're asking for help from all these, other, but obviously they can't just like you know, call, you know send an email or something. So what is what is the time frame of just like oh I need help I'm going to send a runner through the fucking wilderness or through the desert or something to deliver a letter to say hey can you guys come help out and then uh, like another month for it to come back and just say nah I mean weeks um, months and you know. So uh, you, they could get a letter out with like messengers in, in a couple weeks. You know, it's it's not as slow as people would think because Europe is not that large. But 
Yeah, it's not. A, and I it's, assume there's roads of some kind. Yeah, that, are, that have been you know, built. At trade exists. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not instantaneous. Um, but well, good news for Sigismund. This happened at one of the various points of the Hundred Years' War, where there had been a truce. Both, both England and France thought such a war against the Ottomans was a good idea, and wouldn't you know it, so did the Pope. The rest of Europe quickly joined in. The Republic of Venice was worried that the Ottoman power expansion would cripple them as their main trading power along the Adriatic, Ionian, and Aegean seas uh, because they would cut into that. Genoa was worried Ottoman control of the Danube would give them control of everything in between the Black Sea and Europe, and not to mention the Genoan territories that just come under Ottoman assault as they press towards Constantinople. However... I already kind of told you that there's two popes. That's going to be a problem. It's 1394, which means Catholicism and the papacy in general had undergone the Western Schism. So there was Urban V and Clement VII, one in France and one in Rome. Uh, so, yeah. And there's also yeah, like a third pope there for a little while for the papal hat yeah, trick. There, there, is another, there is another pope. There's like an Orthodox Christian pope as well well uh, so the ortho really talk about the orthodox and uh the apostolics for instance the armenian church we kind of have our own pope but we don't call it a pope we uh, they never fell under rome um there was a point in history when uh the head of the armenian church called the alkathlikos was like told by the pope that he needs to like join in communion with rome to save them from the mongols and the alkathlikos just kind of gave him the finger and sided with the Mongols instead. <laughs> Turns out there's another option. It's like the Mongols at the time, of course, this would change because eventually the Mongols convert to Islam. Uh, and as they break apart, uh, there, there was a time where the Mongols were like, we don't give a fuck what you do. Just pay your taxes. Yep. Um, hey, that's if, if only all of society had been like that. Uh, just pay your taxes on time uh, and don't fuck with the, don't fuck with the bag. If everybody just had the universal don't fuck with the bag attitude, we would all be a lot happier, I think. I don't know much about the Eastern Orthodox Church, but I believe the head is called the Patriarch. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, it's popish. Like, we're the only one. The, we, I'm not a Catholic anymore, but the Catholics are the only ones that use the word pope, I suppose. But uh, yeah, but but this is, this is an actual anti-pope. Um, which one is considered, I guess, the correct pope in the pope lineage? Uh, that depends on who you ask, because uh, even the Crusaders <laughs> can't completely agree on that. Um, sure. Now, this entire situation was dumber than hell. Eventually, Clement dies, and Boniface the Ninth uh, was selected in Rome. Now, Boniface would have the uh, the most legitimacy because he was based in Rome, and he's the one that called for a, a crusade, despite the era of popes doing so being pretty much long gone. Uh, obviously. The purpose of this crusade was political and not religious, and nobody gave a single solitary fuck about Sigismund, Hungary, or the Balkans. Boniface called their crusade to bring power to his side of the schism uh, and everybody who followed him, uh, specifically Philip II, Duke of Burgundy, um, was kind of in the same boat. They weren't in this for the papacy. They weren't in this for you know, the Christian Balkans or anything. They wanted to put their houses in a more powerful position by gaining glory in a crusade. Uh, so <laughs> that's that, that was the, uh, I guess the, you, you needed glory. You had to, to go out and it's very, I know you don't watch star Trek, but it's very Klingon in its own, in its own kind of way. Uh, by that, I mean, very stupid of, uh, 
We, you know what? At any point in time, uh, I could die by millions of different things. I could drink water from the wrong thing. I could get headbutted by a fucking goat and break my hip and die here in a field after exposure for three, uh, three days. However, I need to go pick up this metal pointy stick and go stab other dudes with it because I just, I'm still alive and I just cannot abide that. Like nobody, it feels like at this time. And when I say nobody, I don't mean like the peasants who are just trying to scrape by and they're just like, fuck all these people. It just really feels like there's a lot of, um, what do you mean? I'm not dead yet. God damn it. We need to fix this. Yeah. And, you know, this is the era before giant vanity projects. While well, they did exist. Um, they, they weren't so easy to pull off. It's a lot easier to gain glory through doing war. Um, right. Instead of, instead of grinding your peasants into a paste during a war, you can grind them into a, pe- uh, a paste, like building a gigantic wall or something like that. Um, peasant paste. One way, or another, the, <laughs> one way or another, the blood gods must be sa- uh, sated. Yeah. Corn, the blood god, cares not where the blood comes from, just that it flows. Um, just that it's mixed into the mortar at a good uh, 10, to, 10 to 20% ratio. Lions Led by Donkeys is brought to you by Peasant Paste. Uh, now, outside of backdoor politicking, and you know, coming up with this entire thing, nobody gave much thought to the plan or the upcoming war at all. Though Philip II tends to catch most of the flack of this for being one of its loudest champions, everyone's at fault here, though Philip is more of a colorful character. Or as Barbara Touchman puts it, since he was the prince of self-magnification, the result was that opulent display became the dominant theme. Plans, logistics, intelligence about the enemy came in second, if at all. <laughs> <laughs> just got to make it look pretty. We need, uh, we need those gold toilet seats. Yeah. Uh, just need a whole bunch of dudes marching across Europe. What they're going to do when they get to wherever you sent them? Ah, that's, but they look good doing it, yeah. and that's what's important. That's where the glory. That's that's what God shines His light upon. Is not a, not not the 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 goodness or the wickedness of your deeds, but like how sharp your 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 godly drip, as it were. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't buy an insanely overpriced. I don't know. It's Europe. Stupid pair of skinny jeans and a purse. Like you you had you <laughs> had to go kill foreigners. Um, then, as Count of Flanders, Philip extracted huge amounts of wealth from the territory in order to pay for the upcoming adventure, telling Sigismund in 1395 that if he asked the King of France for help now, he would get it. Despite all of this starting in 1394, nobody really bothered to hammer out details for this entire operation until May of 1395. And by August of that same year, Sigismund was pretty sure a full-scale autumn invasion was coming any day now. What are, where are they getting this information from? Like, why are they so worried about the... Are the Ottomans planning this? Like, do they? Or are they just kind of chilling? I mean, they were slowly encroaching in in Hungary. Um, they were, like, raiding villages. Like, their war is definitely coming. Um, right. Like, like, any, like any good empire of the, uh, the Middle Ages, they're expanding. Yeah. Violently. Uh, the Ottomans had checked their, like, horse-based satellite they launched into space, <laughs> you know, uh, and checked troop movements. Um, now, from the start of the crusade, things did not go according to plan. Philip planned the entire war to be led by him, Louis of Orléans, and John of Gaunt. However, they both pulled out when it became clear that, oh, this crusade's actually going to happen. I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> um, this had to do with, obviously, they didn't want to march their happy asses all the way to the Balkans. But they also, Fair. they also, yeah, I mean, I still wouldn't want to do that. I could drive a fucking car there. Um, right. 
but you know, leaving their territories was politically sketchy for both of them, and they were worried that they'd be uh, ousted from power. So they're just like, nah, you guys, you guys got this. We're gonna stay here." Yeah, th- this is the time. I mean, even today, though, like if if you if you're a leader of a of a of, of a country and you like fuck off for like maybe an eye exam to a different country. Somebody could just come and be like, "Hey, I'm king now because I'm sitting in the throne." I mean, it happens. That, it happens. Who, yeah, who did that happen to? Uh, they went out for like a dental procedure and they came back cooed. I mean, like we just did a a, a bonus episode on uh, the U.S. invasion of Grenada. The Eric Gary, the the first leader of independent Grenada, got overthrown because he was speaking at the UN. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't you know if you're gonna if. This is a time where if you're going to go, you might as well bring the magic chair with you. Otherwise, somebody else is going to sit in it. Yeah, if they don't have the chair, they can't be they can't be leader. Everybody knows that. It's like it's the Pope chair works. with the nutsack hole. <laughs> what? Okay, okay, I'm going to need you to Google image search the, <laughs> the, the, the Pope chair with the nutsack hole. Um, Those specific words. You keep going. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, look, you might want to turn not, on, safe, on. You might want to turn on safe search for that one. I'm I, glad I'm glad I'm not on my work. Uh, my work laptop here oh it's like a shitter yeah um, it's a shitter but it's only for nutsacks um now the the story goes um and this might be apocryphal that back in the day i and they might still do this the pope would have to sit out there like donald duck without pants on and they would have to check to make sure his balls hung through the hole <laughs> to ensure that he was a man and he had an impressive sack um, I, you could ju- I believe you the exact term is like that. he's a man and it hangs well too. Um, now that that might not actually be the true story, but it is the popular story. I look, it's the Catholic Church. It could truly go either way. Um, okay. I, we, the Catholics do have a weird thing about ball sacks and making sure a man is a quote man. Well, then there's also the the apocryphal story of a woman sneaking in and being pope for a couple years. Um, we talk, we we kind of uh, yeah. uh, touched on that with uh, with my thing on the because um, that was during the whole iron papacy thing that was uh, about four hundred years before this they, they've they've come a long way um, by that I mean they haven't come very far at all well and there's also not a lot of evidence that that woman pope actually existed right there was a woman who begat like five different popes from her loins though because she just loved to fuck popes and make more popes I mean look I'm not here to kink shame. Um, uh, worried about command of this operation falling to someone not under his control or in good graces, he nominated John I to take command, his oldest son. John was only 24 and you know, without much experience in most things, um, though he would eventually go on to kill the king's brother and spark a French civil war in a couple of years. So, you know, he was like, nothing... On purpose or by... by accident? Oh, he did this on purpose. Uh, so, okay. so he was nothing if not a go-getter, you know? Yeah, that he had the 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 pick him up by the bootstraps and cause a French Civil War uh, kind of vibe. You no, know, we all start from we started from nothing and look at us now. Yeah. We're we're killing we're killing kings. Uh, Philip was smart enough to know his son was not experienced enough to handle this entire thing on his own, so he summoned a man named Engelram de Cucci. Nate is not here to correct my French, and I refuse to believe that this man's name is not Engelram de Cucci. <laughs> Yeah, and his buddy uh, uh, Wolfram Debussy. <laughs> now, Dacucci was to act as his advisor. Uh, however, John was given a ton of other counselors as well, all of whom had some vague form of command and title, though no formal command structure was ever actually ironed out. 
what you could consider the command staff soon became massively bloated with French nobles, many of whom had no real jobs in the Crusader army at all. And Damn, that doesn't sound familiar. And these command elements would soon only grow and grow as they moved on towards Hungary and more nobility joined such as Sigismund, the Bulgarian Tsar, various Polish nobles, sprinkling some Croats, and of course, the leader of the Knights Hospitaller, all piled in. Um, is, this, is this all just like, a, oh, you guys are going to go get some glory? Hold up. Let me get my sword. Oh, yeah, it's of course what it is. Um, and, you know, the Knights Hospitaller are there to run protection rackets for Christians. Um, now, to make matters even dumber, the confused command group got together to come up with rules and discipline of the crusade. No, one of the things they figured out was not who was actually in command, uh, but like the, the rules around the conduct of knights during war. Uh, one of those rules was knights were to prove their honor and glory in battle through chivalry and therefore by leading the charge from the front of the army. So, just to run this bias one more time for our dear listeners, no chain of command, but everybody that is in charge are knights, they're nobles, and they all must lead the army from the front. Now, who, and I imagine there's also just, are there just like a shitload of peasants being yeah, there's dragged the, along? There's with, a ton okay, of local so. levies, uh, minor knights, men-at-arms, things of that nature. Um, but like for, for knights, all of whom are nobles, there is no answer other than charging and leading from the front, uh, despite the fact that also counts in everybody who's in charge. <laughs> So as one of the pike-wielding peasants, do you get any glory out of this? Or is it just like you either die or you get to go back to uh, your sustenance farming? I mean, they got paid in their own way, mostly through looting. Um, like the, the average person came back from crusades much better off than they left, assuming they did make it back by just looting and pillaging everything. Um, their paycheck was ripping up the copper wire from wherever the fuck it is that they went in, whether that be taking slaves, stealing uh, riches, stealing property, things of that nature. So like they were in it for their own reasons as well, all of which were bad. Um, and there, of course, I'm not saying there wasn't true believers in this mix as well. There absolutely was. Uh, there's absolutely people who believe that their sins would be forgiven if they went and stabbed a guy named Mohammed in the chest with a spear. That is how the Pope sold it to people. Yeah. Uh, if you think that's silly, QAnon uh, exists. So these are the QAnoners of their time. It's just like, no, if, I, uh, if, if we finally stop the... Uh, we're going to go fight a Hungarian Comet Pizza and uh, <laughs> stop the, the yeah. child cabal. Certainly, uh, modern humans would never be this stupid. Anyway, let me log into literally any quarter of the internet. <laughs> um, now, with that, the various forces of the crusade from all over Western Europe agreed to meet in Buda, Hungary. It might be Buda. I think it's Buda. Uh, though that is, I'm basing that pronunciation off of a town that's spelled the same way as Texas, so I might be wrong. Anyway, they, they, <laughs> they left from Dijon uh, on April 1396. Um, they would travel through Bavaria towards the Danube and cross into Hungary. Once there, Sigismund kind of realized that he may have fucked up by inviting everybody over to his house. Um, now, for starters... But, but why? You got, more, you got more people. Well, the more, problem more is... People better is it, it, tens of thousands of assholes just showed up to his front door. <laughs> <laughs> For starters, Sigismund wanted to kick out the Ottomans from the Balkans. This, of course, had nothing to do with religion, but because he wanted to dominate the Balkans for himself. He didn't want to share it with every asshole who came over from Western Europe. However, yeah, the, I get it. the Crusaders started talking about, okay, bro, here's the plan. 
First, we're going to liberate the Balkans, and then we're going to go the aid of Constantinople. We're going to march through Turkey, through Syria, and then, of course, we're going to liberate the motherfucking Holy Land, jump on our boats, and then return to Europe. Hey, hey, Tom, put the Howard Dean yeah uh, right in there after. I was after just about that. to say that, too. Yeah, like that's all that that all ends with some like drunken freshman going, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're going to show our age really badly when some younger listeners, even Americans, have no fucking idea what we're talking about. Yeah, if you don't know the Howard Dean scream, go go look that up and then understand that there was a point in time when that completely tanked a, uh, a political career making a funny um, noise is enough to end up uh, a presidential primary yeah yeah uh just like jeb bush's please clap you know but to be fair poor jeb he, he never had it coming anyway look i'm i'm just i i refuse to have sympathy for anybody with the last name bush <laughs> and that includes the band bush and kate bush despite there being no relations oh uh, poor gavin rosdale <laughs> He knows he again showing our fucking age. He knows what he fucking did. Now, uh, what was in Constantine? Was he? Jesus, was, okay, he in, was he in? Was he in Constantine? Yeah, he was like the he was Balthazar in Constantine. Like the one J- Gavin Rosdale was in one movie. Look, as, Gavin as a, Rosdale could very... rob me on the fucking street tomorrow, and I wouldn't be able to say Gavin Rosdale robbed me. Okay, I have no, no idea what this man looks like. It's fucking well. Watch Constantine. It's a good. It's a really good Catholic. Uh, uh, movie uh, with uh, Keanu Reeves shooting people with a crucifix shotgun. Good stuff. And Gavin Rosdale. Now, this plane was kneecapped when the Crusaders had to scrape the bottom of the barrel just to find their army, which ended up being about 17,000 guys. And just because everybody on this crusade was on it together didn't mean they were not trying to royally fuck one another over. For example, while everybody was marching off to war, France is attempting to seize Genoa during which point the Duke of Milan's daughter was kicked out of Paris, which led the Duke to threaten to invade Paris with knights in order to defend his daughter's honor, all while all of them had soldiers marching off together to do a crusade. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's not like you're getting, you know, the uh, stars and stripes from home and figuring it out, you know. Like, these guys are (laughs) united in racism. They have their own thing going. Also, the crusade armies marched through Germany, Christian Germany, mind you, and they stopped to pillage a few towns and murder people. Also, hundreds of soldiers randomly went missing. Um, Now, (laughs) chroniclers of the time have chalked this up with them getting absolutely wasted, fucking a bunch of local hookers, deciding this is a lot more fun than doing war, and then just stayed there. They they would have been correct. Um, Surprised they didn't get executed, though, for just being like, no, we're not going to continue on with the glory thing. Nobody keeps track of anybody. There's no, there's like, like, if you're a regular person, there's no roles for you. Nobody's taking like head count at formation in the morning. You're just like, just kind of show up and drop out whenever. Deserting back then would have been incredibly easy. Really like deserting, becoming a problem that like uh, a military based regulations around stopping didn't start until like Frederick the Great, which is a long time from now. Uh, desertion was just normal. Yeah, I mean, I guess like you're you're there because either you're a true believer or you're looking to get some loot. And if you've decided both of those things are no longer 
uh, affable for you. you just, it's not like the king knows what you look like. You're like a random peasant. And so nobody, just like fuck off. Nobody knows what you look like. Nobody knows your name, and nobody gives a fuck what happens to you. So maybe, right. yeah, maybe throwing it through shillings in the right direction, getting a handy, and then going home is a much better option. <laughs> and I would argue that's still a better option today than doing war. Russia, I know yeah. you listen to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, instead of invading Ukraine, why don't you just go get drunk and get jerked off and fuck off back? Well, you probably can't fuck off back home. You will get shot. Um, <laughs> Look, get a handy and then get shot. Um, there is also mass scale Catholic on Catholic violence as like the army crossed into lands or under the control of what you could consider the wrong pope, you know, schism and all. Um, and various bits and pieces of the army would break off and start murdering people, then rejoin the army. Um then just go do our own little side quest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're doing fetch quests, but they're they're fetching blood. Um, and also humans. There's a lot of slavery going on here. Yeah, I can't imagine like if you're a person in a village and a military is coming. Oh, it's always bad news for you. It is. Yeah, uh, it's it, never going to be. It could be your own. Like, oh, it could be the French right. army, and you could be a French pensit, like crusade aside, and you'd be like, "Oh dear God, hide our daughters and everything that can be eaten." Yeah, because that's what they're coming for. It's not like they had MREs and uh, and nudie mags back then. So, you know, they didn't have the, the things to, to keep our soldiers sated as we do today. Uh, it just just show up and like, well, shit, we're, we're, we're fucked no matter what. Now, uh, there, then John I finally showed up to the crusade in June, a full month after everybody else, because he had stopped along the way to party in Vienna with his brother-in-law, Leopold IV, also known as Leopold the Fat. But he had burned through <laughs> all of his money, so he asked his brother-in-law for a loan of 100,000 ducats, which, from what I can tell, is roughly $15 million. Ooh. But, you know, ducats are gold, and that much gold weighs a lot. So it took another month, and, you know, not always gold, they're, they're metal, it's precious metal. So it took another month for all that to be loaded into boats and sent to the gathering point to meet with everybody else. So... Several years coming, and a few months showing later. Showing up on a boat with a bunch of copper wire uh, sticking out of the, the sides. Like, no, no, we're good. We're just going to hit one more uh, abandoned uh, factory out uh, on the outskirts here and we're good to go. I ran into a small problem where I got fucked up with Leopold and now I'm broke. So uh, here's my <laughs> boat full of a loan. Who, who's among us hasn't, you know, woken up and taken a look at our credit card charges the next day and gone, ah, shit. Yeah. So several years and a few months later, the Crusades were all in one place. Most of the heavy cavalry were Burgundian and Hungarian, with the infantry being mostly German and various kinds of Italian. Um, Philibert, the leader of the Knights Hospitaller, pretty much took the reins in leading discussions on what they were going to do now that everybody was together. However, the war form he was trying to lead immediately turned into a giant bickering mess. Sigismund pointed out that they didn't have to really do anything. The Sultan of the Ottomans, Bayezid I, also awesomely known as Bayezid the Thunderbolt, had promised to attack Hungary. So, hypothetically, they just had to sit there and wait for him to show up and fight a defensive war, rather than, you know, try to find enough food to keep 17,000 dudes alive and march out looking for him. The French rejected this immediately, as Bayezid promised to attack in May, and it was now July, and he still hadn't come. They also contended that fighting defensively was dishonorable and called Sigismund a coward. Sigismund tried to point out that they wasted nothing by waiting anyway, but was shouted down by virtually every single other person in the room. Mind you, remember, they came to help him. This is the... It, you, you, 
you hate to see like in history when there there's the smatterings like there there's no there's no true like military um it, you know what am I thinking? Like knowledge, people don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, some people probably do. Yeah, war back like, then is it, very individualistic, right? And it's hard. It's like you see one person who's just like, no, uh, actually, it would be a lot smarter, and we will win harder if uh, we just kind of sit back in our defensive positions where we're safe, uh, where we have everything that we need. Let them come to us, come across the open field. They're gonna be tired. They're gonna be. Uh, they're, they're gonna be worn out. They're gonna. They're not gonna have the food and things that they need. We're gonna be easily able to defeat them. And somebody's just like, are you gay? What? No. Yeah, go. Let's go. Fight. Let's go. No. Yeah. I mean, get out of here. Yeah, like his argument. They're all their arguments boil down to like you're being a pussy. Like we need to attack. Yeah. What are you? Why are you being? Why are you being such a bitch, dude? What? Why don't you want to die out here in a field for no yeah, reason? Yeah. Don't you want to fucking go die trying to get glory? Um. So soon, the French were planning the invasion of the Ottoman-held Balkans, and Sigismund just kind of threw his hands up and went along with it. So with that, the Crusader force marched on down the left side of the Danube, having no idea where the Ottoman army was, having no chain of command, and the king of Hungary just said, fuck all of this, and put himself at the back of the army, having been completely cut off from the decision-making process. The constable of Hungary, which so the constable back then didn't mean a cop. I mean, it kind of did, but police didn't really exist yet. Um, but it was like the, the commander of the military, the constable of Hungary, Nicholas de Gara led the vanguard, that meaning the front of it with the Franco Burgundian force in the middle. Um, so they're just walking, just like 40,000 dudes just walking. Yeah. They have no, they have have no idea where they're going. Nothing is planned. Like one guy in front is like, I don't know. Fuck it this way. Yeah. Uh, as Beautiful. soon as the Crusaders entered Ottoman-controlled territory, they went on a murder spree, which shouldn't surprise anybody at this point. Though this will come back to bite them in the ass. So you know, this is one of the few times that like an army full of assholes does violent shit and actually like gets their comeuppance. But you know, it doesn't happen enough in history, unfortunately. During the last week of August, the Crusaders reached Orsava, where the Danube flows through the limestone gorge that is known as the Iron Gates. However, because nobody was really in charge of this gaggle of assholes. Nobody was planning anything. So nobody called ahead, sent a messenger ahead, whatever, to make sure there was enough boats to ferry them all across the gorge. So this process took a fucking week. Uh, now, after taking a full week... Now, mind you, remember, they're in Ottoman territory now. Like, there's scouts, spies, civilians everywhere. So the longer they take, the easier it is for word to get back to some Ottoman commander. But like, hey, there's a whole bunch of fucking assholes in town. And, you know, this is giving them more time to prepare, you know. Um, so this pro- the process to cross the gorge took a week. They fell on to the town of Vidin, which is under the control of the Bulgarian Tsar, who at the time was a proxy vassal of the Ottomans. Now, when he saw the Crusader army show up, he immediately surrendered, joined the Crusaders and threw open the gates of the city. What do you think happens next, Francis? Uh, they were welcome uh, as liberators. Well, they were, depending on which part of the city you happen to be a part of. <laughs> um, because there's a lot of, you know, Muslims, Turks living within the, the city walls. And, of course, it became open season on them. Um, they massacred everybody who looked even slightly from Anatolia. Uh, in in that city, and then went buck wild across Ottoman territory, doing the kinds of things that Crusaders do. 
And remember, at this point, they had not found an Ottoman army. They had no idea where one was, and they weren't even really scouting ahead. This is this is the glory they're looking for, just murdering the shit out of unarmed civilians. That is certainly easier. Like it's it's very it, it's a lot easier for them to sack cities and steal shit from people who don't fight back, right? Um, then they moved on to the city of Nicopolis, which was an important city in the Lower Danube and was a base of Ottoman operations into Hungary and Wallachia. The city was also well defended with a fortress and two walled towns nearby. The citadel of the fortress easily saw everything to the east and west, with supporting fortresses in the south. In short, it's not a great place to attack. They're going to see you coming. Yeah, and be prepared for it in every way possible. Yeah. Is- so they're going to be cowards and defend themselves. Yeah, look at those. Fine, they've got the glory. We got the glory of God on our side. Look We're at good. those giant babies hiding behind their thick stone walls. Uh, Bayezid gave command of the defense of the area to Dogon Bay, and they settled in for a siege. Small problem for the Crusaders, though. You know what's really important for a siege, Francis? Uh, to have supplies? Yeah, and the means to do a siege, namely siege engines, ladders, rams, things of that nature. They didn't bring any. They're just running up and hitting the sides of the walls of the castles with their, their swords and shit? Well, there was an immediate breakdown of any kind of central command that existed, um, which wasn't much with each country's crusaders just kind of doing whatever the fuck it is that they wanted to do. And this was ramped up in the difficulty level because they couldn't talk to one another outside of the nobility who generally had a common language, which was French. But immediately outside the nobility, and even then the core highest levels of nobility, nobody could talk to one another. So you had one half of the crusaders decide, hey, we need to build ladders while the other half decide to tunnel under the walls and blow them up without either side talking with or working with the other. Hell yeah. And Hell yeah. I'm all about it. Let's do it. I love, I love both of these fucking wily coyote ass ideas. And to be fair, a lot of them also spoke Latin. But again, that was the nobility. Like, not everybody in this situation spoke Latin or French. Um... Now, the crusaders who dug the tunnel immediately blew themselves up on accident, and the ones that were building ladders realized that, wow, there's no trees around here tall enough to make ladders out of that could reach the top of the walls. So, 0 for 2. Um, so, for the tunnel, though, like, they built the tunnel and then blew it up by accident? Like I, don't, like, I would think that as long as the explosion still happens, it would be successful well, even if you you know paced a few of your knights they did build a tunnel and they did build something you could consider a bomb however it was not in the right place when it exploded <laughs> yeah well I, and were they just like well that's enough of that we can't tunnel again and do it again you know i just feel i feel like you know you shouldn't let one setback stop the whole idea it's a good plan you guys just need an EOD guy. Um, need somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing. I mean, doing an EOD with, guy uh, back then is like pretty much a wizard. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, it, again, like you're you're talking from a place that like if they had someone controlling any of this chaos, which they sure. do not. Sure. Um, this is basically one guy's is like, hey, I know how to make a bomb. Yeah. Everybody else is like, yeah, all right, cool. Let's it, go for it, it. He read the 1300s equivalent of the anarchist cookbook and then <laughs> promptly turned everybody into pasta sauce. Yeah. Right after everybody got high smoking banana peels. Yeah. Um, once again, showing our age. <laughs> um, now, while the Crusaders were busy trying to figure out how to do a siege, 
Bayezid was rapidly slapping together an army to come to the aid of the city. Ottoman forces assembled in Constantinople through August, and at points designated for assembly on Bayezid's expected route to the north through the Danube Valley, um, he gathered more and more forces as he went. And because we haven't joked enough about how stereotypically racist European countries are and who is involved in this, this is when the Serbians showed up. Oh, boy. Yeah. Bayezid traveled like a true Ottoman sultan in every way you can imagine. Since he was leading the army personally, he brought with him hundreds of wagons. Um, the reason for this was he, of course, took his absolutely massive harem with him, but he was also the head of state. So he took every administrative function of the empire with him in the backs of wagons because he had to run the entire country as he left. God, like you just like the guy who has to deal with the sewage is like, hey, buddy, you're going to war now. Uh, you're going to have to get the wagon you're gonna have to deal with sewage on the road here. Like, oh, you you need something notarized. You got to mail it to the goddamn government wagon, which to be I mean, so uh, it's the, the precursor to the 42 alphas. You know, you got to you got to bring your admin staff with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, everybody's wagon based, though, which is significant. It's like if you were stuck on a government based field training exercise. Um, like you had to bring the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the department of revenue, you had to bring the, the, the traffic police, you had to bring, uh, <laughs> I don't know, the department of sanitation, motor vehicles department, like every terrible government worker is now a member of this army. Hell yeah. By the end of September, scouting parties of the two sides finally ran into one another. And at this point, the Crusaders had their lone victory in all of this, assuming you don't count slaughtering innocent civilians as a victory. Which, to be fair, the Crusaders absolutely did count those as victories. It's hard, man. You get, you get, you get sword arm chopping, you know, putting, putting all these uh, peasants to the sword. The first Tommy John surgery in human history was from a knight who blew his elbow cutting off an innocent person's head. <laughs> Um, now, managing to see the Ottoman scouts first and luring them into an ambush, they managed to win. And this would be the high water point. Everything is downhill from here. At that same day, after learning where the Crusaders were, Bayezid positioned his army south of the city's citadel on the high ground, dug in behind ditches, walls of sharp spikes, berms, and creating absolute hell for any attacker that was on horseback, which, of course, the Crusader army was dominated by heavily armored cavalry. Behind each row of stakes and ditches were bowmen who could fire off at cavalry, who then be forced to slow down when they ran across the obstacles. He also places reserved, made up of the Janissaries, on the back slope of the hill, concealing them from view. Then he waited. Coward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so much cowardice happening here with, you, with your preparing of defenses. Coward winning the war and killing all of us. Coward. You know, it's like World War I, whole, ar- whole war of cowards. Hiding in their trenches. They should just be running directly at one another. Um, now, well, it turned that, out... They did a lot of that, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, like, if you dig so much as one inch into the ground while you're at war, immediate coward status. You're, you, you will not go to the, see the kingdom of heaven. It, it turned out when your doctrine didn't boil down to the fake concept of honor that was chivalry, you could actually plan ahead. Bayezid knew the Crusaders very well. After all, he assumed their hyper-aggressive, stupid nature would mean that they would assault him no matter where he was, even if terrain, time, and everything else wasn't on their side. For example, his flanks were secured by rough ground and thick woods, making it a pretty bad place to deploy cavalry, again, badly hampering the cavalry-dominated Crusader army. 
and they would have to attack directly into the obstacles that he had laid out in front of him. And it turned out that Bayezid was right, and none of this would matter to the Crusaders. Now, Sigismund had been fighting the Ottomans for a while, and he recommended that someone go ahead and probe the enemy positions, namely the Wallachians and the Transylvanians, I assume because they're vampires, um, and they, <laughs> they would be go able out to... Under, uh, no daytime raids, man. Yeah, the, 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 like the Wallachians are the daywalkers of, of the Transylvanian <laughs> vampires. Everybody knows this. Uh, it's just the whole army of blades, not a single one paying their taxes on time. There's a whole um, lot of dudes just like, like, now, cause like he, motherfuckers ice skating uphill. <laughs> uh, like He wanted to find out where the Ottomans were so he could then uh, send in skirmishers, namely in the form of like bowmen, to soften them up before attacking. Because he knew better. Like, he knew the Ottomans would have dug in. Um, so, and this had worked before in the past. Like, his tactic wasn't being pulled straight out of his ass. He knew how to do it. Uh, of course, everybody thought this was a terrible idea. The French were insulted by the idea that their forces would follow people they considered to be lesser peasants because he was going to send in the Wallachians and the Transylvanians. The constable of France... Philip de Artois accused Sigismund of trying to steal his honor by sending his Hungarian subjects first. Once again, Sigismund threw his hands up and said, fine, you lead. So the attack would now be led by the Franco-Burgundian heavy cavalry. There'd be no scouting, nothing done at all before the attack, which was then launched on September 25th. As soon as the Crusaders began their advance, they started getting shot at by archers that had been concealed in the small clumps of trees that dotted the slopes of the hills. Now, these weren't enough to penetrate the crusaders armor unless they were lucky and slotted one through an eye hole or something um but like as the crusaders attacked the bowmen would withdraw meaning that as they got closer they would retreat further up the hill they the bows were strong enough to fuck up the horses that the crusaders were riding so you know um one chronicler wrote quote hail nor rain does not come down in a closer shower than did their shafts event <laughs> Yeah, I know. I laughed at that, too. Uh, eventually, the archers pulled back, and for some reason, this made the Crusaders believe that the entire Ottoman line was collapsing. So the Crusader vanguard, rather than wait for the rest of the army, and remember, the vanguard is full of all of the nobles who are supposed to be leading this army. They're all in there other than Sigismund and a few others. So the Crusader vanguard left everybody behind and rode full bore ahead, separating themselves from the main force, who they left far, far behind them. And they rode directly into the defensive works. Some horses yeah. impaled themselves on the stakes, <laughs> throwing their riders to the ground. Other knights jumped off their horses, ran forward, and tried pulling the stakes out of the ground to make way for the men behind them. They did eventually open a path that was only big enough for about 15-ish people to go through at a time. Which is known as, you know, the funnel of death. Right. The, hey, what, what if we just created a bottleneck here? Yeah. Tactical bottleneck, but we did it. Yeah. This made killing them as they came through incredibly easy for the Ottomans. Well, see, what you do is if you have a bunch of barbed wire, you just like throw a bunch of your dead comrades over the barbed wire and then you step over their bodies. Perfect. Perfect ideas. Corpse bridge. Yeah. Corpse, look, in, in a war, corpse infrastructure is, uh, is your saving grace. Always. You gotta, what do we got? We got a lot of fucking dead bodies. Let's start coming up with some ideas. How do we, how do we counter build the Ottomans? What, what resources do we have? I don't know. I see a fuckload of dead Transylvanians, though. Let's let, can we make a pot? 
Yeah, a dead Transylvanian siege tower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, the, the massive crush of bodies uh, and the heavy armor that was worn by the Crusaders meant that they were able to slowly crash through the center of the Ottoman line through sheer dumb force of will. They were able. They were able to uh, slowly just push their way through, just because like unstoppable force versus a movable object kind of uh, situation. Yeah, I mean, like they are wearing very heavy armor. It is hard to kill a guy in full plate armor. You have to like, unless you have the ability to puncture their armor, you kind of have to get them to the ground and then finish them off. So like, they're not easy to kill, even if they are doing dumb shit like sprinting directly into a wall of spikes. Um, once again, the Ottoman archers pulled away to the flanks, raining arrows down on them as they plowed through the center. At this point, the vanguard had actually kind of done their job. They had broken through the line to make way for everyone else. So, de Cucci and the Admiral of France, Jean de Venn, who I assume was lost because he's a fucking admiral, attempted to order the men to halt the vanguard to hold their ground, keep that gap open for the rest of the army to catch up to them, and then they would push forward from there. How do you think that went? Um, well, it's a Navy guy given, given directions on the land. So uh, I assume that like nobody heard, and also the Vanguard was just like, you know, this glory that we have is good, but I bet we can get some more if we just uh, kept, kept on going. You're kind of right on both, both regards. Thousands of men who had just been told that anything other than charging ahead was seen as God buys as some like pussy shit immediately ignored their commanders and kept charging forward. Now this created a snowball effect. It's, you know, the 1300s, not everybody hears this order. So, you know, when you don't know, follow everybody else, which is, you know, to be fair, that rule kind of still rules in war. You all, you always don't know what's going on. When you see a mob of your own guys going one way, it's generally in your best interest to try to keep up. So other knights who didn't hear the orders, maybe they didn't hear the orders, maybe they did, simply followed them, assuming they're doing the right thing by going with the pack of knights surging forward. Unfortunately for them, at this point, virtually all of the vanguard had lost their horses, and the rest of the army was still nowhere to be seen because they had charged so far ahead. So Bayezid sent it in his reserves, which the crusaders didn't even know existed until this point because they had not scouted. Um, now, included in the reserves were the Janissaries, who were mostly infantry, but were also heavily armored. Uh, mounted, mace-wielding force known as the Kapikulu, which, much like the Janissaries... So, for people who aren't aware, Janissaries are press-gang child slaves who've been raised for the purpose of soldiering. Um, like, the name Kapikulu directly translates to slaves of the Sublime Port, which is like the Ottoman government. Uh, most Janissaries and in turn Kapikulu slaves were generally uh, slaves of the minorities from the Ottoman Empire, like Kurds, Armenians, Assyrians, and Greeks, because they would be forcefully converted and then turned into slave soldiers. Um, so not 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 the best way to uh, fill out the ranks of your. Uh, well, they do have a great reputation for being fanatical soldiers for a very good reason. Like they're yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. You can, you can brainwash them from the, from young age and uh, get what you need. I get it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And you know they did. You know they kind of turned into something of a Praetorian guard where they got enough influence where they could influence politics by murdering people. So you know, <laughs> the easiest way to influence politics is just to stab a guy. Yeah, pretty much. I will leave it at that and not say what I was thinking <laughs> of. Um, 
They slammed into the knights, who were now badly outnumbered and getting their heads smashed in with maces wielded by slave soldiers. Once the knights hit the ground, they were swarmed by lighter armored Ottoman soldiers who frantically stabbed and slashed at them through gaps in their armor. Though it's always best to think about this is they're always getting stabbed in the fucking eyes. Just just taking one into the face. I get yeah, it. That's, the you eyes know. under the armpits, anywhere where there was gaps in the armor so the knights could move. They got, they got swords and knives jammed all up in there, which normally only happens to you now after a long night out. Before long, the Ottoman cavalry wheeled around and surrounded the entire vanguard. Now, because their lead from the front, God demands this of you beliefs, their entire chain of command was now surrounded. Uh, this included the key commanders like John I. Enemies on all sides of him, John I was fighting on, attempting to control the vanguard, and finally said, fuck all this honor shit, and he threw down his sword and surrendered. Uh, which, yeah. to be fair, good choice. Seeing their nominal commander surrender, most of everybody else who was still alive inside that encirclement quickly followed suit. This is when the rest of the army finally showed up. Um, At this point, the battle is completely over, but Sigismund orders a charge, racing up the hill, attempting to uh, like save the, the vanguard, at which point he's promptly flanked by Serbs. Sigismund, looking around and saying, wow... This has gone very badly. Abandoned everyone and ran for his life. A lot of, lot of glory hounds uh, suddenly not getting any glory. Like, did they not realize what death meant or something? Or did they, did they just like, no, God is going to uh, shield me with the, the veil of his holiness. and I will not die. Oh, God, where did all these Serbs come from? <laughs> I mean, I ask myself this every time I go to the club. <laughs> uh <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who could ran for the Danube River, hoping to jump on one of the boats that were waiting for them there. However, there were only a few boats and not nearly enough for everybody to cross. As the boatmen pulled away, worried about being overloaded, Sigismund chased after them on horseback, riding his horse directly into the river, jumping aboard the last uh, boat as it pulled away, leaving his horse to drown in the river behind him. <laughs> Hell yeah. We'll just abandon everything, man. Just just tuck tail and run. Love it. Several men tried to swim across the river, but of course died because, you know, they're wearing armor and shit. They tried to swim across the fucking Danube River. And yeah, it's not it's it's not a creek, man. You can't you can't just swim across a river. Yeah. Um and you know, the ability to swim is not very common uh as well. Right. Uh back then. And anybody left ashore were slaughtered by the Ottoman forces when they eventually found them. As for the men who were captured, Bayezid ordered the vast majority of them, around 3,000, to be executed because of all the horrible shit they'd been doing since they crossed into Ottoman territory. Though, he did show some kind of, uh, like, sympathy to anyone under the age of 20, who he then forced into slavery instead of executing. I, I mean... Compromise. Look, you, show up, you show up for glory, uh, and somebody's just like, "Look, you're you're 16. I'm not going to hold it against you." But also, put these chains on. I, I marched off for the glory of God, and now all I do is make bread all day for a Turkish family who treats me like shit. Uh, I can't imagine that that's any worse than what that guy had going on beforehand. That that could be true. Yeah. Now, the most important people were kept to be ransomed off, which was normal for the time. If you're a noble of any stature, you'd be ransomed off back to your family. 
uh, because they know that you have money. Though a lot of them died in captivity. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's no need to look into what happened there. I mean, it's it's we're we're talking about the late 1300s. It could be anything. It could just be the wa- the water here doesn't agree with me, so I died. Yeah, he he died of shitting ass syndrome again. The few knights who survived all of this, thought to be fewer than ten, were eventually <laughs> were eventually returned home in 1398, two full years after the battle. Now, after how do you how do you rebuild your feudalism system after this? Like your entire like upper echelon of nobility has just been wiped out, and you're just like, well, it's just time to get some new knights, I guess. We call this a uh, a job that has promotion opportunity. <laughs> um, yeah, they all returned home about two years after the battle, and after all of this, Sigismund did the thing that you know most people in Europe tend to do: blame everything on the French, which we can yep. all kind of support. The end. Yep. <laughs> Fucking French. Now, uh, I, I I just want to say I I appreciate um I, I appreciate that like as we learn as I have been learning more you've been doing a lot of medieval stuff recently. Uh, it is very funny to learn just how stupid Europeans are, uh, and and just how smart literally everybody else was by doing simple things like building defense systems, which is you know even if it's something like just put some stakes in the ground over there, their horses will get fucked up by it. And it turns out that yes, that would that would happen. Um, well, I, I, I like how- to think of it as um, the eras that uh, that I mean nowadays only certain kinds of of, of people. Uh, attempt to romanticize and say it's like the era of champions and heroes and stuff like (laughs) that era doesn't exist for anybody um your military heroes generally were all very stupid and they just got very lucky especially back in the day um and uh, everyone's history is full of the dumbest shit possible like the the western civilization is like this concept that is built upon the dumbest dudes um, that tend to be given a pass. And I'm not saying that the Ottomans were, you know, geniuses or good. I'm fucking Armenian. You'll never hear me say that. <laughs> um, but like in this situation, like they didn't have to do they much. They didn't go fuck up other people. They were just doing commerce. And then somebody, a bunch of knights showed up and they were like, we don't like that. Well, the Ottomans did and, fuck uh, up a lot. There's, there is no march of empire that is not built upon the bones of whoever is going behind them. Um, there's a lot of forced conversions. The Dimmy system was eventually put into place. Like, the Ottomans are just fucking absolute ghouls. But, you know, in this situation, they just had to be, they had to have some minimum amount of competence, which the Crusaders didn't have. And that's that's something that is incredibly common throughout the entire crusader history like it's because while most of the uh, you know the various uh uh muslim armies which were not you know there's there's no muslim empire during this point but they do tend to have some kind of continuity and centralization led by people that people rally around like saladin bayezid and others whereas and you know a common unifying language for the most part as well as for them, they're always seen as defensive. So it's much easier to rally people behind the cause. And, and, and there's, of course, backdoor politicking and backstabbing and everything else going on there, on their side as well. But the Europeans almost always ran into the same fucking problems over and over again. Namely, the fact is they were still Europeans and they all fucking hated one another. 
I just imagining like those those stupid Deus Volts uh, images, but instead of like a heroic crusader, it's a guy just shitting himself constantly. Yeah. <laughs> my squire didn't open my butt flap for my liquid shitting. <laughs> the, the fucking scr- the whole uh, squeaky thing because it's just covered in shit and rusty. They didn't have WD forty back then. Yeah, it was probably some uh, awful. All you, had, all you had was the. It was probably some like awful version of that that could only exist in thirteen hundreds, like dog's blood or something. I mean, not that long ago, we did an episode where like they literally didn't think about the fact that they needed to drink water in the desert. So like you know, this just keeps coming up, um, and you know we'll do more crusade stuff in the future. It's always fun because it's always fun to laugh at these idiots, because um, like the crusaders can, in no stretch of the imagination, ever be considered the good guys, uh, but they often are always portrayed that way for obvious reasons in Western media, and instead they were just a whole bunch of like backstabbing two-faced assholes who all hated one another and never even planned the smallest amount of anything when it came to a military campaign and they should be laughed at and that's what we like to do here um francis we do a thing on this show called questions from the legion and you know oftentimes i have tom on now who's a great co-host but he was never in the military so we can't do many military centric questions um, so today we have one tailor made for the both of us, and it's going to require a bit of explanation. What is the weirdest thing you've ever encountered during a health and welfare inspection or heard of in the case of soldiers? Now, for people who are unaware, a health and welfare inspection is something that is done in the army where you have to go do room inspections to make sure this, of course, is what they say to make sure soldiers are living in a hygienic and safe environment. Um, which is very ironic considering all the stories about the black mold and shit that's yeah, in, of course, uh, like most soldiers' things. They mostly just care that like soldiers aren't wallowing in a pit of their own filth. Which you know they generally soldiers are gross. Like they're teenagers. Most of them have never lived on their own. So like you know they pro there like there is not a small number of number of people who who learned how to wash their clothes in basic training. Um. You know, so like you find some wild shit uh, during health and welfare, and you were in reserves, so maybe your experience is different. Did you guys ever do stuff like this? Uh, thankfully, no, because uh, otherwise they would have discovered that we were making wine under our bunks in uh, Iraq. But considering we we're giving some of the wine to our commanding officer, uh, well, not not our not our major, but uh, a couple of our lieutenants would get a bottle when we were at, uh, when we were at brew. So. Um, but I have officers only Pruno. Yeah. I've gone into other people's, um, rooms and just been like, I never understood when we were in Iraq, we had these small rooms and there's two people per room and there were people who smoked in their rooms and that just never like, yeah, like I was a smoker at the time. So like, I can't talk too much shit, but smoking in your room that is like really just a 12 by 12 box. Um, was always disgusting. Uh, I do know that there is a task and purpose had a story about somebody who found a bunch of ducks, like when Marine was keeping ducks. Hell yeah. There's, there, there's usually like a pet thing you'll find out, uh, at, at some point, but, uh, no, I never had to do personally. I never had to do any, uh, health and welfare checks. Uh, and I didn't have too many disgusting soldiers because I was never really in combat arms. Um, and I, I feel like combat arms is where a lot of those, uh, kind of like dudes that didn't, that, that nobody like helped 
teach them some domestic things uh, didn't really exist there. Yeah, I have a few. So I'll, I'll tell a short one and a long one. Um, because I was an NCO and I frequently had to do health and welfare inspections. Um, but one time I got a, a soldier, like I just showed up. It was of course, Fort hood, the nightmare of all duty, which has a new name now, which I don't know what it is. Um, Cavazos, I yeah, think. Fort Cavazos, whatever, whatever. Back then it was Fort hood. Um, yeah. yeah, we don't, we don't use the old names because we're racist. We use them because we're lazy. I, I, I legitimately didn't know what it was called anymore. And also this was over 10 years ago. So, you know, um, but I got a new team, so I had to go do a health and welfare inspection. And hypothetically, you're supposed to do an inspection every morning after PT, uh, physical training. Uh, and it, I came into this team kind of under the assumption that had been happening for the last two years. Ooh, it had, never an assumption to make. It had not been. Um, the first soldier's room that I walked in, he just had a woman living in there. Um, <laughs> like, not in the military. Even in the military, that wouldn't have been okay. But there was just someone from the out the, the local town. Uh, she had fully moved in uh, because he had a roommate, which is not the person under my charge, who broke the rules and was just living off post without permission. So like that room was empty effectively and everybody seemed okay with that or wasn't keeping track of it. And this random woman had moved in. They had pushed the beds together. They turned into the small studio apartment. Like they had settled. Like they had, they, they had That's f- nice actually. I mean, it's, it, it's a shitty barracks room. This is Fort hood circa sure. 2008. So the barracks rooms are really bad, but I was like, Yo, what in the fuck is going on in here? And he's like, oh, this is my fiance. I'm like, well, it's nice to meet you. Please leave. Um, because what is happening here is not only like against military regulation and it's going to get him in trouble. You are breaking the law. Yeah, <laughs> this is illegal. Yeah. Like, you cannot do this. Look, as a civilian, I say I am fully on board with random people squatting in military barracks. But as someone that this was going to hurt me professionally, if this got out. Yeah, that one was bad. Uh, the second one was this straight up disgusting. Um, this is a different time years later. Same kind of situation. I get a new team going there into the assumption that there had been room inspections going on. Once again, I am incorrect in this assumption. And I go in and it looks like the most nightmarish, uh, like 4chan ass Redditor fucking barracks room you've ever seen. And I'm not saying that in, like they had swastikas hanging up or anything, but like... Mountain Dew bottles, like ankle high, cover the floor. There's empty pizza boxes stacked like five, six high on every flat surface. And the only clean surface in the room is this small circle around where he sits at his computer desk. (laughs) And the whole place just smells like, I don't know, like a fucking like burning hair and BO and balls. And I was like, I've... I had deployed a couple of times by then. I have smelled some awful aromas and I had to step the fuck out of that room to get fresh air. Um, and, you know, I, there's no way I could smooth this one over because he's living in a landfill. Uh, so right. I had to tell my supervisor, at which point the entire platoon had to clean his room. So 30-ish dudes. And it took hours to clean this room. Hours. Because this guy's just living in filth. Um, but, you know... Afterwards, I was like, "Hey, you know you, you can't live like that." It was it was like a, watching an episode of Hoarders. Uh, it was it was awful. Um, I don't. I was gone shortly thereafter, 
Uh, I, I would like to assume that he didn't, he no longer lived in a sea of Mountain Dew bottles with pizza. Uh, and what's really funny is I know we like we're the show is listened to quite often by active duty soldiers uh, and veterans. And I'm willing to bet almost all of them have a story that's vaguely similar to that. There's always there's always one dude yeah, who like there's always the one stinky kid in class. Right. And just, you know, you feel bad because like nobody's taught this person or maybe like they joined the army because they didn't really have any like people come from like really bad backgrounds and join the army because it's an opportunity to get out of that bad background. Um, but at the same time, they don't really come with like things that are just like you've got to you've got to stop. Like when you get off of work, you should do something that isn't play World of Warcraft and drink Mountain Dew and eat pizza until until one o'clock in the morning and then doing the whole thing over again. Like you, you need to you need to become a better person in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And I'm There's sure not- anybody who's OK living with that is going through other things that need to be handled. So I'm not I'm not shaming them by any stretch of the imagination. I am saying, however, walking into that was was an experience. Um, Francis. Thank you so much for joining me here uh, back on the regular feed of the show. Um, right. Use this no area you have to pay for my voice. Yeah. Uh, use this, sh- uh, this, this, this area to plug your projects. Yes. What a hell of a way to die. It's a uh, nominally military podcast, uh, though. Nate and I, uh, my, my co-host Nate and I are moving more towards um, dad ish stuff because uh, we're all creeping up on middle ages i'm fully ensconced in middle age so you know having a conversation about what the fuck that means uh because our 40s are here or they're they're coming so uh we're 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 discussing things like that and joe's on that show too yeah um, sometimes you're gonna have to change it to uh, like what of a hell what a hell of a way to dad so you can keep the same uh initials okay so i have actually bought um the uh google came out with new uh dot domains and one of them is dot dad and i have bought <laughs> what a hell of a way to dot dad that is so, the most francis thing you've ever done uh, assuming assuming the home page is just a pair of cargo shorts as the navigator menu yes and uh and they um a link to get a costco card hell yeah uh and everybody thank you so much for listening if you like what we do here on the show and you want to support it you can support us on patreon you get episodes like this one a week sometimes two weeks early uh you get f- five plus years of bonus content you get discord access where we've built a pretty lovely little community there you get stickers you get ebooks i'm currently doing a audiobook of the hooligans of kandahar and you can get all of that for five dollars um and if not uh leave us a review that's free uh and you can do it wherever you listen to podcasts and helps us immensely for reasons i do not fully understand but it does and until next time Jump on a horse and ride it directly into a wall of spikes.